Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Ask Shy, the weekly tech live stream. I'm Shai Perenik, your guide on this journey where technology meets humanity, where the future is unfolding right before our eyes. On this episode, recorded back in May 2023, we dive into the narrative that intertwines the vast potential of Web3 and blockchain, the transformative power of education and accessibility, the nuanced relationship between mental health and technology, the evolving landscape of work in the age of AI, and the critical balance between digital identity and privacy. Join me as we explore these pillars that stand at the crossroads of our digital and personal lives, shaping the lives of tomorrow. All right, so the stream should be live. Uh, welcome to uh, this show of Ask Shy. Um, I'll give it another minute or two here before I get started. <laughs> and then we're going to go and ask me if people join. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and get the, the show started because we're at the 12.15 mark. Um, this is usually around the time where I'll be starting the show. The idea is really a uh, free-from show, we're just kind of talking about the thoughts in my head around Web3 and blockchain. Um, so I'll go ahead and get started here as people join in. And then um, as people come in and out, um, we'll go ahead and introduce them. Or if anybody wants to jump in and ask a question, they can certainly do so. All right. Um, so welcome everybody to this session of Ask uh, Shy or Ask SHI. <laughs> um, this is going to be my weekly show that I'm going to be putting on every Friday. Um, and this is really a continuation of something that I've been doing uh, internally at AWS for a long time, uh, probably better part of three years, um, where I would have a regular show every Friday, uh, many other shows multiple throughout the week. Um, and I would talk about different things around Web3 and blockchain. And so I'm going to do the same thing and continue that. Um, and hopefully as the show grows in time, uh, we'll get more listeners and more viewers on uh, and, and a wider discussion. Uh, there'll all be other formats, and I'll talk about those today. Um, so again, I, I want to give a big uh, shout out and a thank you to a bunch of people that have been really uh, inspirational and helpful and getting me going in the show and, and getting me started. Um, a lot of people like Damien uh, Bundnick, who might be on the show later, um, who has been a big influence uh, on myself as well and helping me get the show going, um, as well as the many other Amazonians uh, that had reached out over the last uh, probably better month or so um, asking about when I'm going to kick up the show again and, and when we're going to have more content again. So uh, thank you very much for all the kind words of encouragement over the last month. Um, I really want to keep doing this kind of show and just keep sharing uh, the knowledge of Web3 blockchain. And again, really hopefully uh, get more interactive discussions over time. So uh, that's a, a brief introduction of uh, sort of the show. For those that haven't been uh, enough familiar with who I am, my name is Shai Perenik. I am I, I was the, the global tech leader at AWS uh, and in Amerigas beforehand, many other roles in the past. I've been in the blockchain space and Web3, uh, well, blockchain, let's put it that way, roughly since about 2010, since I started my Bitcoin miner and set that up. And I have the typical story of unfortunately misplacing my machine and uh, reformatting it a couple of times and then using it for other purposes um, and then moving on past the Bitcoin mining. And I've spent really the better part of the last uh, 10 years or so really, um, after that, right? So actually 13 years now, 
really trying to understand how uh, Bitcoin and blockchain, right? So Bitcoin is just one use case of the technology, but how the blockchain technology actually makes sense to us in, in the real world and why should we, we care as average people? Um, and so that's really been my quest for the last 13 years. I've, as, as part of that quest, I've made it my goal really to understand as much of the technology around blockchain as I can. And so I've had various roles from compute storage and networking engineering to architecture roles, to enterprise architect roles, uh, to solution architect and uh, ProServe uh, consultants at AWS. Um, and then in the last three years, had been really digging into everything around Web3, blockchain, uh, around Amazon. I built a couple, I built many communities internally. Um, and then recently, uh, in the last month or so, uh, trying to really build my own venture and determine the next path in my uh, journey, if you will. So um, as part of that, uh, the goal is probably, is going to be to develop all the content, right? One of my beliefs is that um, in order to really better understand what direction I'm going in and really be able to better understand the, the, the future of the content that I'm trying to create, I, I need to create that content today. And so my hope is also as part of the show is that we get more interactive. I can share a lot more of the, the thoughts and discussions and ideas that I have as well as other people in this ecosystem and in this space. Um, and that will help develop some more content, right, for myself, maybe for some other people. Um, I always aim to hopefully uh, develop some inspirational content. So hopefully you get that out of the show. <laughs> Again, this is the first one that I'm running here. Um, so this will be a bit scrappy until I get going. I am using a platform that's really cool called uh, Crowdcast.io. Um, and so if in the future you do want to be part of the show, you want to be part of the interactive discussion, uh, part of polls and questions, and like either you want to come on stage, maybe you want to have a discussion as well. Um, it's an awesome platform. Uh, there's a green room, all that stuff. It's doing all the overlays uh, much easier than some other tools. Um, but go ahead and join. The link is in the uh, chat and the link will also be in the future uh, show notes and future sessions and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> for a bit of background as well, I was also the ABS Tech Chat host, and so I really have a love for a lot of things on the microphone. Um, I'm really looking to create a good experience here. And so um, as the show goes on, please share your feedback. Let me know um, what works and what doesn't well, and, and we'll certainly make those changes. Um, let's get started really with with what are, one of the reasons of the show, right? One of the goals of the show was to talk about some of the things that I'm working on and, and what I have sort of happening on the side and different projects I'm working on. And so over the last month, I've I've spent probably the first two weeks uh, after April 26th. Um, and, and for clarity from an Isolage Dance of the Elephant in the room, uh, my role at EBS was eliminated as well as 6,000 other people. So it's unfortunate. Um, every bad situation, unfortunately, or negative situation has potentially a lot of positives. And so I've tried to spend the last month as much in the positive side as I can. Um, and yes, there's some hurt, but I, I think I'm starting to move on from that. And so part of the time I've been really spending is asking myself, how do I continue to have the, how do I continue to get sort of the, the impact in this space, continue to deliver with so many of the awesome partners I've been working with over the last uh, better part of almost again, three years, uh, the ecosystem that I've been part of, whether it's been presentations and events and uh, workshops and creating content and all this stuff. I love everything about this space and this ecosystem really. And I, I really want this to, I really asked myself how I can continue to contribute to that. So in the first two weeks uh, after the rule of the nation, I really just took a lot of time to myself. I was here with my kids. I, I made it a point to to be 100% dad as much as I can and really just be aware of what, what my kids were doing, what was going on, uh, help them develop new techniques to help them organize their day, uh, help them manage their time as well. 
and they, they've worked out pretty well. And I think that's the, that's the fun chance. Uh, that's the fun opportunity of getting to be a dad is that you get to learn a lot of new things and you get to challenge yourself with your children and they challenge you as well. Um, and so I had a wonderful, uh, week and a half, almost two weeks with my kids, just getting to play that. <laughs> I realized that, you know, my dream job was the job I've had really for 13 years. It's being a dad. Uh, there's no better job than that. There's no better career than being a dad. Um, and so aside from that, right, when my kids were at school uh, and I had some time, I spent a lot of time uh, walking around our town. Uh, I, I live in a fairly small town around here and there's a lot of opportunities to just walk around, get in nature, uh, cemetery next door. I like walking down the cemetery um, and then just sitting around sometimes outside and just trying to understand what life means to me, why it's, it is the way it is, um, why things happen the way that they did. Um, and really just told myself in that period about a week and a half, beside the kids, right? Kids were always first and the family was always first. But after that, when I wasn't doing anything with kids, it was really about just listening, right? I told myself, I'm not going to make any decisions. I'm not going to decide one thing or another. I'm not going to prioritize one thing or another. I'm just going to let come what comes and so be it. Um, and then I carved out some time for myself. I, I've always wanted to dig into uh, the world of laying chain and get deeper into the Lama world. And I did that, right? That was the, the fortunate thing of getting to be home is getting to carve out that time of like, you know, deep diving and just thinking about that and just working on that one thing. And I, I built a, a really crude uh, demo of a chat bot, not using LangChain. And I tried to do it again with LangChain as well. Went down that whole rabbit hole and really, really, really opened my eyes to a lot of the stuff that's happening at really the ground level when it comes to um, large language models and AI chatbots and all this stuff that we're seeing. And there's a lot of hype in the ecosystem. There's a lot of uh, rush around AI. But I think the really important part is to understand that these tools have been around for a long time, right? The machine learning models that we've had, the sort of generative AI tools for copy editing, for content creation, um, you know, that give you like a, a best tweet or something or can reformat your tweet. These things have been around for a couple of years already. It's just nothing really had that interface of a chatbot um, like ChatGPT. And I think that's what really ignited the fire of like realizing hey, we can use all this tech for real-world use cases and everyday functionality um, that, again, some of us geeks have been playing with for a while. And so I, I think that 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 commoditization of that power of, uh, you know, of the LLM or of language models and whether it's a coding language model, whether it's a model that's specific for multi-language translation, the power that these present when they're actually chained and connected together into a bigger application is immense. So I just think of like different people with different specialties working together. So again, went down that rabbit hole uh, when I wasn't playing dad. And then the last two weeks have really been awesome. I I, I think one of the, the, the fortunate things of my career um, and my, my work life have been, you know, I, there's life always comes first. Um, but after my, my sort of day-to-day -day life of being a dad and being at home and all the hobbies and things that I do, like the 3D printing and drones, the the big part of my career that I really enjoyed was just all the awesome conversations I would get to have. <laughs> whether they were with founders, whether with, you know, Web2 uh, executives looking to move in the Web3 world, whether the Web3 executives or Web3 engineers or Web2 engineers, I just loved all those conversations, right? And part of where I enjoy playing is really at that ground level, right? And that's because I, I think I grew up on I, I grew up on Legos and I grew up playing Legos and I think I've, I've always been fascinated by this this concept of really the foundation right and like how do you take different pieces and put them together and 
that's the part I love, right? I get to be on phone calls. I get to be on discussions and Zoom calls and webinars and all this stuff with such awesome people in this space. And every day I have the fortune and opportunity to hear about the things that they're building. And so this hypothetical stuff that you sometimes hear in the news, maybe we'll get on a seminar and we'll talk about, you know, NFTs and utility down the road and all this thing that we're doing in the future about IP protection. Well, it's actually happening today. Like people are building it today. There's products already shipped today that do some of these things. So that's what gets me fired up in the space is just all that uh, action for lack of better words. So I have a couple of things I'm working on. I gave myself a, an order here just to keep myself on track for the next roughly 35 minutes or so that uh, the show's going to run till the top of the hour. Um, I'll go through some of these with as much detail as, as I can in this short period of time. And then I'm happy to to jump into any of the details. So the the crux of a lot of the things that I look at really in Web3 and blockchain, kind of moving on from that AI hype uh, train, if you will, is this idea of what Web3 actually is, right? And I think that's the challenge that we've, we've we, I think we've created, right? As a technology in the space, we've actually created a problem because we've said Web3 is about ownership. It's it's about this new revolution in the internet. It's about all this new technology, but we don't actually say what it is, right? Like we, we, we're, we're too vague and we leave too much for um, for interpretation. And I, and I think that's a problem, right? Especially when we start saying, you know, web one is about read, web two is about read, write, and web three is about read, read write, and, and own. And, and we can go through that story, but it doesn't result in any like tangible connections for a lot of people. And it's something that I struggled with for, for a long time in this role, or in, in the role I had before. And the the conclusion I came to really at the beginning of this year, and I, I, I'm really eager to share the full narrative uh, and the full write-up around this, was really trying to redefine what the meaning of Web3 actually is. And I'll put it, I'll put it this way. If we look at Web3 as three layers, right? And, and, and I'm thinking of the you know, traditional three-tier web architecture where we have a um, data layer, we have the application layer, we have the presentation layer, right? It's very easy to understand what technologies fit into that whole stack. And so if we do the same thing with Web3, or, or at least start down that path, right? again, much more complex, but we simplify it by saying there's a data layer, right? That data layer is, blockchain is part of that. It's not the only thing in the data layer. And I think that's the important part to really understand is that while we're, we're heavily focused in the Web3 world around blockchain and blockchain being a core part of Web3, really data is data. And so while we love to see the data on chain, we do have to realize that there's going to be this world of a hybrid architecture, right? Of, of off-chain data, non-chain data. And what does it mean as data is in between the two of them, right? How, what do we do with all these data lakes that we've built for so many years that have now become these data silos, if you will, right? How do those transform into on-chain data potentially in the future? So I, that's a that's a long journey, right? We still have five or 10 years left in that, in that I, I don't left, but about five or 10 years in that journey. Um, and again, there's awesome builders tackling this space, but that's the data layer. Right, it's the foundational piece. Now we need to make uh, we need to make sense of all this data that's in the data layer, right? I think I don't remember what the last figure was, but like there's, I think like minutes or hours of video uploaded to YouTube every minute, right? There there's hours of content uploaded to Facebook and Twitter and all these places, right? Every second or every minute again. So as we now get AI generated data content as well, right? Further accelerating the amount of content we have. How do we make sense of all this data underneath? And so that's where the interpretation layer comes in. Now, you can put humans in there, right? You can you can say that we're going to develop processing tasks to make sense of these things, but we have machine learning to do that. We've, we've been using machine learning to make sense of underlying data for many, many years. Uh, probably better part of, let's say, 2016, 2017, roughly, I would say, is when things started really taking off. 
again, from my perspective. Um, and so I, I think we're at that same cusp where it's like, let's use that technology we have. Like, let's use the machine learning to make sense of all that underlying data that we have. So that's the data layer. Oh, sorry, there's the data layer. There's the interpretation layer. And now we need to present that data, right? So just like the three-tier architecture, we have the presentation layer. Now, the presentation layer, it, for me at the moment, is really about generative AI, right? You take all that data that you have, you interpret it, you make sense of it, and now you need to create something out of it. So all the language models that we're seeing and sort of the, the generative AI stuff that we're seeing, the content creation, all that piece that's there, I think really falls into that presentation layer. Um, I think that's the space that we're really going to see a lot of the innovation in, particularly in the next couple of years, because that's the key part, right? We have blockchain. We've had it since 2010. We've had machine learning for a long time as well. We've had all the primitives in that space, and we've been continuing to develop in that space for the last couple of many years. And it's really this presentation layer of, of generative AI and, and regenerative and generative content and generating old content based on, ex or sorry, generating new content based on old content. Um, that's the part I'm really excited about when it comes to Web3 as a whole, right? So given that in mind, right, that that's sort of my, my thesis and my belief, right, is that Web3 is really anchored on these three pillars uh, really three foundational layers, if you will. And we can, we, we can certainly expand on that, right? You have the, the seven layer OSI model, you know, you can expand on it by adding like a user model on top of that. You can add a, an access model on top of that. You can certainly do all those things. And, and that, that makes sense as you, you sort of get deeper into the conversation. But again, I think we need to bring it back to foundations and really reassess what we call web three and really define that, um, better. So with that in mind. My goal is to really build something that really helps define what Web3 is, but also really helps continue all the partnerships um, and awesome collaborations that I've been doing over the last three years with a lot of the partners in this ecosystem. Uh, and I really just want to keep building out this Web3 world that we envision for our kids in the future. Uh, and so part of that uh, is a what, it, what I think is shaping up to be a, a venture studio. Um, I'm still trying to work through the business model of, of what the studio entails and, and how it's structured, but in general, um, I have a nonprofit. I, I actually started the Predict Foundation back uh, in 2020. Yeah, with, with all the COVID face shields that I was doing as part of the foundation. So I have the, the nonprofit foundation. And so part of the idea uh, in the venture studio is called Kalman's Forge. I, I will happily share uh, Deepo's name on that in a second. Um, so the idea is building that studio up and, and leveraging the nonprofit side for really education, education, partnerships. I think that there's a lot of really awesome accelerators in this space. There's a lot of awesome startup programs. There's a lot of awesome incubator programs in this space, uh, launchpad option opportunities in this space. But I think there's still a, a gap in that the builders are not finding those, right? I don't know if they're not finding them, they're not really understanding them. They don't know how to go down that path. I, I think there's still some struggles in that area. And I want to really dig into that and see how do we continue to help these accelerators are already there? How do we excel, help, how do we, Right? How do I can I build something that's going to help accelerate the accelerators, uh, help accelerate the incubator programs, right? Help accelerate other hackathons and other events and stuff like that. That's the area that I really love being in. I, I love creating the content. I love developing the knowledge and training and stuff like that. And so, I think that's a really powerful thing to to really lead with is that education part. And so that's really my uh, north star, a big part of this is really about education and accelerating the accelerators, if you will. But but a big part of of that nonprofit, right? There also has to be a for profit side. And so. <laughs> On the business side, um, I think that that are, are areas of opportunity in the industry. And I, and I think that's an important way to think about it. There's gaps everywhere, 
right? And we can look at closing gaps all the time. We can spend all day doing that. I, I've done that for the better part of most of my career. And in fact, the last six years at AWS, that was a big part of my role was about understanding where the gaps lay in different architectures, different designs, different business plans, different ideas, uh, and poking holes and building solutions and, and strategies to address those gaps. So now, right, with, with sort of my mindset, I, I want to think of them as opportunities because there's so many opportunities in this space to really grow the space out. One of those key things, I find that there's a really big gap in identity, right? On-chain identity. What does it mean to have an on-chain identity? What does it mean to have an on-chain soul, right? How do you define all these things? Now, there are soul-bound tokens, on-chain credit. You have all that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about necessarily. If we look at chatbots as an example, we look at the, the world of like AI and AI personalities. I, I, I don't see a lot of that personality. I see a lot of opportunity to really develop a, a better personality, a better story uh, for some of these AI chatbots and AI characters. And really that helps them define what that digital sort of the digital identity can be. And once we understand really what makes up a person, right, then we can develop that digital equivalent as well. And I think that's the real gap that's missing is that personality, right? That character, uh, how, do you, how do you create something like that? So I have some ideas in that around uh, tools to capture the data from people like myself, right? If I, I want to clone myself at some point in the future, right? I can create content like this on YouTube and, and different channels. But what if I can also sit with uh, an interviewer, right? What if I could sit with Larry King? Uh, what if I can sit with Howard Stern or Joe Rogan or anybody else and have a, an, an hour, an hour and a half long conversation about what I did at AWS or what I did in, in my past career or what I did in my life or uh, what happened to me when I was in the military? Right, just being able to talk through that story in a very natural conversational way, I think, is hugely empowering. Right, to tell people stories, um, and with those stories, you start forming an idea of, of an identity. Right, a digital identity is part of that. So, that's an area I'm really passionate about because I, I, I think that there's a really big opportunity in in the world of sort of if we think about non-player character, non-playable characters, NPCs, and games and metaverse and stuff like that. We think about all the stuff that's happening on like chatbots for medical use, for therapy use, right? Like all these AI tools are going to have to interact with people and they have to have more personality, I think. And so, again, I think there's a lot of opportunities to, to develop really that foundational layer that helps deliver a lot of that really unique personality, unique character from both the capturing side as well as to the presentation side. Um, now, the next one. About 25 minutes. Again, if anybody has any questions, feel free to jump in. I'm going to get to some other cool stuff in a moment here. I try not to go too far down the rabbit hole in each one of these, make sure I have enough time. The, the next area I think that there's really a big challenge in, and a big opportunity actually is the creator and, and the creators themselves. I think we're doing a lot as an industry, a lot as an ecosystem to, to help the, the content creators with their content, right? With IP protection, uh, new content with generative AI tools, um, monetizing their content, creating royalties off it, creating economies off their content. Like we're doing a, a decent job there. I think all the builders are, again, I, this is where I get excited because there's so much cool stuff going there. And, and I'm thinking, how do I partner with those, right? How do I, how do I add value to that content world? And I find myself also in this kind of unique situation where am I now a content creator full-time? Am I now doing part of this content creation full-time? Uh, if I go down the route of a consulting path, how, how do I sort of resell my knowledge, if you will. And, and that concept of selling myself just doesn't sound right. It sounds very dirty to me uh, of like selling my services. And so I really started down this path of, you know, how do you apply a freemium consultancy model 
how do you how do you build a an, an economy around a creator themselves, right? And and really the value of the creator. Um, and so I, I I think I've had a a clever tokenomic system with a token, NFT, soulbound tokens, right? All around the idea of of adding value to that creator, that user, right? Like so when I go out there how do you know who I am, right? You can look at my resume, you can look at my LinkedIn profile, but you don't have validation. Um, and so I think, I think there's a real opportunity to create a, an economy around a creator that then creates that value, that then creates or shows that value, articulates that value uh, to the users down the road in the future. So I, again, I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, another passion of mine. Um, and yeah, as Damien pointed out there, right? It, it's, really about research. And I think that's the fun part of this space is a lot of these things that we're doing, it's really about experimenting and learning what works and what doesn't work. Um, and so, you know, all these ideas I have, I, I'm sure some parts of it are working, I'm sure some parts are gonna fail. But part of that failure is actually fun because that's a learning opportunity, right? It's, it's an opportunity to teach others um, how I failed, where I made mistakes, what I did right, what I didn't do right, you know, what I can do better, what I can't do, what I don't know how to do better, right? Uh, it, it's a great opportunity. Um, to share those things. So thanks guys for, for that feedback. Um, the next one is really around mental health and accommodations. Um, I myself, I, I've, I've been pretty open about it. I'm on the autistic spectrum. I also have ADD uh, as well as several other uh, things like PTSD. And so life is, is fun. I'll put it that way. Uh, there's times when it's difficult and there's times when it's a heck of a lot of fun. And I've really spent a lot of time over the last better part, I think almost, almost a year now, trying to understand how to think of those mental health challenges as more as superpowers and abilities. Um, I presented about this stuff internally at Amazon. I, I developed a lot of content on it. I, I have a 12 or so page paper on my approach to managing my my day-to-day -day life when it comes to balancing with work, uh, and the time management, um, schedule management, all that stuff. So my, my thought was, how do we use all these generative AI tools, all this AI tools that we're seeing in the space, all the machine learning tools that we see to make life more accommodating to people that have uh, neurodivergent challenges, right? They're neurodivergent on a spectrum somewhere. How do we make life more accommodating to them, right? It's not about making everybody else accommodate to me. That's not the point, right? It, it's I, I know that I have a challenge in this world and I want to tackle that challenge. I don't need somebody else to change the way that they do things, right? Like that's not the that's not the intention. The intention is to develop the tools that will then help that. So simple example, you know, sometimes there's people in this space, I, I'll pick on myself for an example, where there's difficult times, right? I might look at the table and I might say, okay, I need to clean my desk. Where do I get started, right? There's so many things on here. Is it the pencils? Is it the scissors? Is it this? Is it that, right? And it, and it takes me a couple minutes sometimes to get going, right? Maybe two, three minutes sometimes, maybe sometimes it's 10 minutes. Uh, sometimes I need to step out and take a break and come back in. I think there's a lot of potential, a lot of opportunity, right, to create something, whether it's AR, or VR, or whatever you want to call it, whether it's a holographic projection, something that just says, hey, start with the scissors, right? Or, or uh, look at the desk and pick the, uh, pick the smallest object first, right? Kind of guiding as a, as a tool almost, if you will. Think of it also when, when somebody walks into a crowded environment, potentially. I know when I walk into a, a like a business event at a bar and pubs, and that's I don't like those kind of events because they're very noisy, they're very overwhelming. And so I've, I've I've developed tools and techniques over time where I can walk in after five ten minutes, I kind of feel a little more comfortable. I can make my way in, I get that conversation, but it's very exhausting at the end because it's just so overwhelming. So how do you create like a tool? And it was I, I posted a great example of a developer that did an Unreal 
where you walk into a room and it says, hey, look around. Is there somebody that is standing alone? Is there somebody that looks like they're uninterested? Is there somebody that looks like they're, they're doing something, right? Maybe you can pick up on audio cues that they're maybe mumbling something or they're talking to some, somebody else and kind of help guide you and say, hey, why don't, you, why don't you look at those people in the back and go talk to one of those people about, right? Um, I, I hear some murmurs about blockchain. Why don't you mention they work about in, in, in the blockchain field? Again, these, these are techniques that I've developed and, and things that I have to ask myself uh, almost every minute as I'm walking into you know, these types of bars and pub environments. But a lot of people haven't developed those techniques. And, and I see that in a lot of kids sometimes. And I think that's the opportunity, right, is, is developing tools that enable children to see the world in a better place and really give them that tool so that they can build these strategies that I've developed at, at age 40 at a much, much younger age, right? Because then if we equip them with the tools, then they can figure out how to make this world with what, what, what it means for it to be accommodating to them without requiring other people to change and accommodate to them. And again, that's not the point. We have to get along together. We have to figure out our, our bounds with each other. So again, another area I'm really, really passionate about because I think there's a lot of opportunities there. I'll throw one last simple example. Think of any 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 high school history, right? Any history class that you've been in the past. I I, I do love history. There's a part of me that really enjoys history. The, you know, paper versus plastic as, as a 3D printer here. Um, but history doesn't have to be boring either. But the challenge is, unfortunately, that there's a lot of events that are just boring, right? It's kind of like, hey, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. It, it is what it is. Now, I, I think it's hugely empowering to be able to tell a teacher, hey, you want to tell a story about a World War II event that happened in Brandywine or Valley Ford or whatever location for like a, sorry, not, not a World War II, um, uh, Revolutionary War time event uh, or World War II event that you want to share. Uh, <laughs> share it in the way that you want to, right? You're the history teacher. Share it in the way that you want to. But now we can capture that content and we can sort of reformat, re redevelop that content where it doesn't lose the underlying meaning but it, it's presented in a more entertaining way. Maybe it, it's presented in, in sort of the tonality and personality of like Stan Lee. So it sounds a bit like a Marvel uh, comic. It doesn't have to look like a Marvel comic, but, but it certainly could, right? So just think of that ability, right? What if a kid just learns better in a comic format? That's the way that they learn. Why can we not teach them about history and all these things in that format? If they learn it, who cares how they learn it? As long as they learn it. So I, I think that's where this concept of using all the generative AI, all the, the underlying blockchain tools that we have to, to establish privacy and security really come together to enable a lot of really cool use cases. A big part of that is also what happens to our human psyche, right? As we as humans start to interact more and more with tools every day, what happens to our psyche? Do we risk some sort of personality disassociation disorder where we no longer really understand what's me versus the AI, right? Did I create that content? Did they create that content? Who, who created this content, right? It is a concern of mine. I, I think that is, a, that is an area that we need to spend a lot more time focusing on. Um, and so I really do want to spend a lot of time on the, the sort of psychology research side, trying to better understand this space. And the, the, the funny parts of life and how all this works is I, I, I need to find it. But I, my college entry paper for my double major in comp sci and psychology was this. <laughs> what happens to humans as we become more and more one with, with uh, computers and, and technology? Right. And it's, it's amazing that what, 25 years later, I'm kind of back in the place where I started for school. Um, the last one, which, which is really around the idea of trying to understand how we as a society enable account or sorry, enable anonymity and encourage anonymity, but also hold people accountable. Right. Like we want this concept of privacy and security and anonymity in the world. And you can reveal yourself to who you want. 
but you can't just willy-nilly go do things with with no accountability. So there has to be accountability. There also needs to be anonymity. Right? They have to come together. So I'm really keen on on that one. I, I uh, that was originally a paper that turned out to be like a 52 page uh, almost book at the moment. I think that's probably the route it's going to go. Is going to be probably like a book. Um, and and I have a couple of ideas under that. Right, whether it's um, how do we hold people accountable, for example, in the cannabis world, right, and better understand the lineage of strains as they're coming from the original grower, maybe California, to the medical dispensary here in Pennsylvania. How do you understand that whole lineage, but also protect the the actors along the way? Not just in cannabis, the same story applies to horses, right, and horse breeding. Again, this is the wonderful part of these conversations I have. Somebody kind of brought this up to me of like, hey, think about animals and, and horse breeding. That's true, because in the horse breeding world, it's kind of a similar challenge. How do you know where that horse came from? How do you validate all these things? And people in the middle want to remain anonymous. So I think there's a lot of opportunities there. When we look at a, at a, a strain, if you will, or a DNA, and it, and it doesn't even have to be a DNA, because the same thing applies to like crude oil, where you're mixing different chemicals. And we, we step back, and rather than saying, hey, we're going to tokenize that asset, or give it an NFT, or something like that, what if we actually assigned a, a whole blockchain to just one strain, right? What economy does that enable around that? So I, again, I think that's hugely empowering. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities there to really dig into what that means and how you hold people accountable in that space. Um, and then I just want to keep digging down that, right? I have a couple other ideas and different products in that area, and I, I want to keep digging down uh, how do we hold people accountable. announcements because I, I do want to get there thank you for uh the couple of people that join and are hanging on and giving the chats here uh thank you for the the chat in the backstage uh, green room if you will as well um again hopefully we'll get more collaborative sessions more interactive sessions in the future as well so moving on a bit right um i think one of the the biggest opportunities right and we talk about all those things that i'm working on right what is kind of the underlying theme of all this well if we think about the technology that we're building, all the technology that we're developing, what's next? We, we need to talk about the jobs and the jobs of the future. Now, big kudos to Damu. Uh, Damu Winston's been my my big mentor when it comes to talking about jobs of the future and what does this mean? And we've had so many deep discussions around, you know, our kids and other kids and the societies and how we, how we enable people in this world to see this new opportunity of all these new jobs that are coming out of, of this AI sort of, I don't know, revolution, but this AI hype that we're seeing and, and sort of all this new activity that we're seeing around in AI, right? How does that create new roles? I, look, the fact of it, roles will be eliminated. I, th that is a fact of things, right? But that's a fact of technology and a fact of evolution, period, right? I mean, like, do, how many people are still doing, making cars that we made cars in like 1901 or 1907 uh, with the Model T, right? So we need to evolve and technology needs to evolve well. So there, there will be role eliminations <laughs> like mine, but the irony of it is we don't we shouldn't think of it that way because again there are opportunities right and so the technology is presenting us an opportunity to create new roles and, and if we frame it in that mindset about okay there's all this technology we may be scared we may be concerned we don't know it but what roles is it creating what kind of jobs is it creating right what does it mean when you have a, an attorney that has an ai a, a bot next to him that can co sort of co-interact right how does the job of an attorney how does the job of a doctor change what new jobs came out of this, right? That's the part that's really exciting to dig into. I mentioned a little bit before, right, about the psychology side of it, right? Just the job of trying to understand how psychology, or sorry, how AI and chatbots and stuff impact psychology on its own is an opportunity to create new roles and jobs, right? So 
there's so much opportunity for new jobs. And, and I, I just want to tease a little bit because Daru, Shaochen, uh, Tracy, a couple of my peers, we're going to do a session next week. Oh, I believe it's on the 31st. I didn't grab the date. Um, I'll grab a link and, and post it in the description somewhere. Um, but we're going to have a, a show next week talking really about the jobs of the future and really kicking off that session uh, with a lot of awesome speakers over the next couple of months, really digging into that idea of like, what does this mean? And like, how do we we change the conversation to talk about role opportunities as opposed to role eliminations? Because the conversation is very different when you talk about opportunities in a rural place, uh, like the many places I went to on my road trip in the summer, when you, when you talk about the opportunities that technology presents, it's a very different discussion than when you talk about the challenges that technology presents, right? And how it's going to change the life. So again, just reframing that conversation is what's really important. All right, time-wise, 10 minutes left. Thank you, everybody, for sticking on board. <laughs> um, the next one is really um, around AI and tools. And I touched about this a little bit before. When we look at education, there's a huge opportunity on both sides of the teacher and the educator for the, the AI tooling, right? Whether it's the classroom example I gave before, right? About like how you empower that history teacher. Um, I'll get to that in a second, David. So where, where you can follow the teachers, right? And like, sorry. <laughs> how the technology is going to specifically um, accelerate those teachers, right? So uh, I talked before about the history teacher example, uh, right? Again, opportunities for jobs in those space. But I think there's a real opportunity to take some time and, and again, uh, changing the conversation a little bit with educators to understand how can the different layers of Web3 be used as a tool. So I put together about a, a two-hour um, session. I'm trying to host it sometime in the beginning of August if I can find some some help and some sponsors and some people to help run the event. I think I got the technology side covered. I can find the technology speakers. I, I need help on the educator side and getting getting to the teachers and making sure that this is a valuable session for the teachers. Because frankly, if the teachers don't understand it, they don't see value, there's no point in the session. So I, I need to, I'm I, going to spend hopefully the next two, three weeks or so uh, trying to reach out to more teachers. If anybody in, in my network knows of the educators that want to dig into this space, let's try to better articulate how the technology can be used as a tool, right? So again, like a half hour session on using blockchain as a tool in the in the in in, in education, right? For securing uh, for securing the data of students, right? Writing their um, their education history on chain, if you will, and being able to move that history through each uh, educational institution. Uh, whether it's enabling the teacher to keep track of their records and education materials that they've developed, right? There's like simple things like this that we can just start going down to help teachers understand how blockchain can be a tool. Now, the machine learning can also be a tool, right? You have a whole bunch of students in the class. You need to understand what they're doing. We need to democratize the machine learning layer for the teachers so that the teachers can do real-time analysis of what their students are doing. Why do we wait for the PSSAs, like randomly, or not randomly, right? But why do we wait for PSSAs at some point in the year? Shouldn't teachers be able to, to dynamically adjust their education based on their students almost in near real time? I, I think they can. But I think we need to educate them on how the machine learning layer can be that uh, tool. Same thing with the AI. I think that's a lot more obvious, right? Talking about how things like ChatGPT, uh, ChatSonic, and uh, Jasper, and all these other tools that are out there, how they can be used as a tool, right, to accelerate. So if you give a student uh, an assignment to write an essay, well, they might just not understand your instructions, right? So they can use ChatGPT 
to reformat your instructions into something that makes sense to them, right? Again, tell me how to write this, or tell me uh, the instructions in the context or in the personality or the tone of Stanley, right? See what happens when you do that. It, it's really cool what you can output and you still don't lose the context of what the teacher wanted, but it suddenly makes a lot more sense to a kid. So again, I think there's a lot of power and opportunities to educate there. So again, hopefully I can find some, some teachers and some educators uh, willing to help me in that, in that area. Uh, please do reach out if you do. Uh, I'll, I'll drop some, uh, well, I'll show the, here, all the bottom, right? There's like uh, my website. Well, the website's not working yet. <laughs> Twitter, uh, and then there's LinkedIn and there's YouTube as well. So reach out through one of those um, and we'll just get the conversation going that way. Um, another one thing I, I want to tease out a little bit here before we wrap up. Um, I, I, I'm working to launch an NFT collection. And one of the things that's always been important to me is that when you do, it has a really good messaging. So I'm really passionate about the LGBTQ community. I'm really passionate about the, really the, the, the drag community's voice, um, in that, in that community as well, and sort of giving representation to a lot of people in that space, because I find it very empowering. Um, when a man can wear a dress and it doesn't change anything, when a woman can wear a man suit and doesn't change anything, right? They can be who they are, um, regardless of what other people think. And, and I think that's hugely empowering. So I have a bit of a, of a collection of art I've been playing with, creating um, superheroes in, in sort of like super, 70 superheroes um, in drag. And, and a lot of people I've shown, have, have shown a lot of interest. And I think there's a really opportunity to create a charitable work there. I, I, I don't want any thing out of it for me personally i really just want it to be a good charitable opportunity uh where we can raise awareness we can talk about in public what are some of the challenges that are happening in this space what are some of the challenges that lgbtq uh community faces every day um around gender identification and stuff like that i think there's a huge opportunity to raise awareness there and i i i believe this drag heroes idea is a fun way to do so um so i i, I don't know all the utility details i don't know all those things there um, but I know it's going to be hopefully a charitable work. So I'll end on that one. There's a lot of really, really good stuff happening in the ecosystem, right? Um, I am not aiming to be a news show, right? There's plenty of shows you can go to get news and stuff like that. Um, in future, I will talk about more of what I'm seeing and my opinions on it and like why it matters to me, why I'm concerned. When we talk about things like mental health and uh, leadership and just general things in life, I will usually keep those off for the Monday show. Um, and so to, to answer some details as to what's happening next, um, you can expect this show every week, hopefully, as long as things pan out correctly. I'll run every Friday. Sometimes it'll be like this, very structured. I'll go through a bunch of things. Maybe sometimes I may have a presentation I want to share. Uh, maybe sometimes I may have a guest that might want to come on. Uh, maybe sometimes it may just be a, a casual session where it's like, hey, I don't have anything specific right now, but what's the questions? What's the comments, right? Again, I, I did this for about three years, um, and I really love all the interactions. And I want to continue that. So. Uh, please subscribe. Uh, the YouTube one is down here, right? Shy SS. I think yeah, it's Shy SS one. Uh, whatever. Uh, follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter if you want sort of my my daily updates. Um, and then you will see hopefully in the next probably next week you will see a posting going up for the Monday show that will run not this Monday but the the following Monday. Um, and then there'll be the Monday show and then again the Friday show. So you'll see more of those posted. Uh, I would say just subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's where you'll see all the notifications going live. I'm going to use this Crowdcast uh, tool a lot more. So if, if there's a way to keep up to date, so subscribe here, uh, you can do that too. Other than that, I'll, I'll go ahead and wrap it up. If there's any questions, comments, please reach out. 
Um, if you want to hear anything specific, again, thank you for joining. I think there was some 23 viewers at some point in the show as well. Um, looks like I'm maintaining the, the viewership I had before. So thank you to all my friends. Um, I feel very humbled and honored you guys took your time during lunch. I have to share this. Please share your thoughts next time. Um, and let's let's have more of a discussion, right? Let's keep going and, and keep educating this space. Thank you, everybody. I love you all and take care. Happy Friday. Thank you.